It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic, coming to you from the bowels of the Amway Center. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. I'm joined today, again, from the bowels of the Amway Center here after Game 4, the Orlando Magic, falling to the Toronto Raptors. 107 to 85 to go down 3-1 in the season series. I'm joined by Zach Oliver of Orlando Pinstripe Post and uh, and Danny Thompson of Around the Association. Guys, aside from the play, how are we doing, Mrs. Lincoln? Well, the hope is that we'll get to do one more live Locked On Magic podcast on Thursday. Otherwise, we'll be talking about the offseason pretty soon. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, that's that's kind of how these series go at the at the end of the day. It's uh, eventually, uh, a team does pull away, and, and, and this Raptors team, obviously, very, very good. We'll talk about about the game, but about the game here in a moment. But Zach, well, what, what what have been your overall thoughts on the playoff experience? Uh, well, first off, Kawhi Leonard is a uh, pretty good player. It's almost like he was a former Finals MVP, and if he wasn't injured all of last season, might have won MVP last year. Um, but that aside, I think it's been a good experience for the Magic. Uh, just to, to get a taste of it. And I think that's something that we talked about going into it was just how important getting a taste of the postseason was for this young bunch. And, yes, they're going to probably end up losing at five, like I think a lot of us predicted. But it's going to be an inv- invaluable experience for guys like Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac and even Mo Bamba, who has been on the bench but still been around the team for the entire time. Yeah, and it's certainly, I think, good for uh, the hashtag culture, if you will. Um, obviously, that there's there's a lot to break down. We'll, we'll maybe talk a little bit about, about what comes next after after what we assume, maybe unfairly, could be the last game in Game 5. But let's let's focus in on, on this game. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard was, was the story in this one. Um, you can't talk about this game without talking about Kawhi Leonard. 34 points, 12 for 20 shooting, 8 of 9 from the foul line. Um, did Did everything for the Raptors. Clearly, the best player 
in this series on on the Raptors. Um, just a guy that, that that the Magic just cannot stop when when he's wanted to get it rolling. And Game Two played a game very similar to this. I would I would say this game was better than his Game Two performance. He just took over in every facet. It, I mean, Game Three they slowed him down. Uh, Might have been more his illness than anything else. But what 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 can the Magic try or what what can the Magic do to slow him down? Or is this just a matter of he is that much better than everyone else. After the NBA for the, to allow a sixth player to be on the court, I mean, it was it was a systematic destruction for Leonard the entire game. He had nine points in the first quarter, nine points in the second quarter, 12 points in the third quarter. The only reason why he didn't score nine or 12 points in the fourth quarter is because the game had got out of hand at one point. You know, it was a combination of driving to the basket, combination of three-pointers, combination of just a bit of everything, like you said earlier, Phil. He just did everything, and... It just kind of took the heart of the magic, took the sold-out crowd out of the building. So it's just, I don't know what you can do to stop him. Maybe add a sixth or seventh guy on the court, that's pretty much it. And it's not just what he's done offensively. Especially tonight, he was all over the place defensively. You know, he plays the passing lanes really well, and his length really disrupts anything. I mean, he had one block on, I want to say it was Vooch, um, in the second half. That looked like it might have been a goaltend, but you know he he goes up and gets that. You know Aaron Gordon scored sixteen in the third quarter, but the rest of the game Kawhi. I mean by the, I mean by that point it was what a 16, 17, 18 point game. I mean Gordon put some nice window dressing on the game, and and I, and I want to talk about Gordon and how Gordon's played in the series in a little bit because because I think tonight was a a really nice performance from Aaron Gordon overall going up against a Kawhi Leonard playing the way Kawhi Leonard was playing, but. Um, it, 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 the Raptors just, I mean, I think this whole series, the Raptors have just had complete control. Everything the Magic are doing, they're fighting for. It's, it's, it's a struggle just to even pass the ball at times. And, you know, when Toronto's been locked in defensively, you know, it, it's just abundantly clear that, that the Magic have some nice players. They've been a nice story. They're, they're certainly a capable defensive team. I would even argue tonight that they played, you know, okay defensively for the most part. But, they just don't have the horses to play in a series against a team like this when you when you can give the, when you can give the magic their your full attention. Right, and our, our buddy Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports and Celtics blog uh, leaned over to me a couple times tonight and said that the Magic not having a creator offensively outside of DJ Augustine really hurts them, and the guys that they do have that can you know sometimes get their shots. Evan Fournier was eight of fourteen tonight. I thought he looked better tonight than he did on Friday night, but he's hard not to. Yeah, but mm-hmm. he still struggled some. Um, and Terrence Ross couldn't get anything going. You know, Terrence Ross has had a couple of okay games in this series where he scored, but overall, I feel like Terrence Ross has been a, a huge letdown in this series for the Magic. Yeah, and and I think one of the places that I think we could say the Magic had if not a clear advantage, a potential advantage was their bench play. Um, Toronto's very starter-heavy. Um, they've got some nice players off their bench in Fred Van Vliet and, and Norman Powell and Serge Ibaka, but, but not a lot of scoring punch off that bench. I think they use Siak- Pascal Siakam a lot with that, with that second unit. Um, Orlando's bench, especially after the All-Star break, was one of the best benches in the entire league. Um, just a lot of scoring, a lot of pace, a lot of defensive pressure, and Terrence Ross is a big reason for that. I mean, so too is having Aaron Gordon with that group and Evan Fournier with that group, but Orlando's just been unable to win that battle. And with, with Ibaka scoring, I think he had 
12 and, and Norman Powell, Ibaka had 12 or 13 and Norman Powell had 16, I think. But the way those two were scoring and, and just kind of finding holes in the, in the defense and, and Orlando just, you know, Orlando just scrambling even to just make sure there are bodies around Kawhi Leonard. It just it, it it just doesn't really matter what the Magic do because they can't score enough. I mean, the numbers are, are pretty plain and simple here. Tonight, Toronto had a 116.3 offensive rating. I believe that's their best mark of the series. So Orlando play, has played good defense, I think, overall against one a really good offense. And, and tonight, it just kind of looked like they, they really let go of the rope in a lot of ways, um, it, especially after the, the great start the Magic had going up 9 nothing. Uh, it, it how it just feels so disappointing that 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 the bottom just completely dropped out and, and Toronto just put on a professional win in this in this game and in this atmosphere and it felt like something that we haven't seen since really the first half of the season happened tonight that the magic really allowed their struggles on the offensive end to bleed into the defense you know we saw that a lot in the first half of the year and then after you know the start of February the last few days in January they really kind of fix that and that wasn't a problem but tonight it kind of felt like their misses and their inability to slow down Kawhi really took the the air out of the sails per se it's when you look at the the magic the way they're being constructed like I said you said DJ's the only shot creator to me I think Evan's the only guy that create their own shot because Ross has to come off screens and the problem with Orlando is that with Vucevic not giving you what he was giving you all season, the 20 and 10, because he doesn't seem like he wants to be in the post against Gasol, it takes away everything offensively. You have to change everything. You know, the bench outside of Ross, what kind of scoring can we get from the bench? You know, in game one, we had Carter Williams and double figures. You know, Awandu contributed. You know, tonight, if Ross is not hitting shots, where is the scoring coming from off the bench? And if it wasn't from Aaron giving you 25 points, this game is going to be worse than what it was. Yeah, and, and it felt like this game should have been much worse than what it was. Because even when, even when Orlando took a, took a 9 nothing lead, and I think Nick Nurse brought this up in his press conference as well, they were turning the ball over like crazy. Mm-hmm. They were they were throwing the ball around like you, you, they, it, they, they had weren't four turnovers. I think in the first four minutes. Yeah, and, and much Toronto like was, they did on, in, on Friday night in Game Three. Yeah, when, and and Toronto wasn't converting them. I think Orlando did a good job getting back. But but like Clifford said from the very beginning of the series, Steve Clifford really made sure to, to hammer this point home. They cannot turn the ball over against this team. The Raptors are one of the best teams at turning turnovers into points. They're, again, they're they are legitimately a championship contender, a top-five offense, a top-five defense. It was always going to be a struggle, a really tough challenge to, to win this kind of a series. Um, but Orlando has has simply failed to kind of rise to the occasion. And it was going to be tough, and I think even Clifford has said in his press conferences, it's tough. You know, we're, we're not doing the things we need to do. Toronto deserves credit defensively for that, but the Magic aren't helping themselves. And I think more than any other game, more than even game two, this was a game where the Magic didn't help themselves and didn't kind of put themselves in the situations that they know they need to be in to be successful and, and get get wins at the end of the day. It felt like they were they were forcing things a lot more tonight and that you could really tell they felt like they had to go and win this one tonight. Yeah, and, and, that, and that energy helped them early on. And mm-hmm. I, do, I do wonder if, you know, after that initial push that they got, that initial kind of burst that they got from the crowd – that that when everything started getting silent, they just couldn't find energy again. And, and the Raptors, you know, give Kawhi Leonard all the credit in the world. He silenced 
what was probably the loudest we ever heard the Amway Center when the Magic were up 9 nothing. This crowd wanted to be in this game. They've wanted to be in both games. And, you know, more than game three, in game four tonight, Kawhi Leonard silenced them. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Um, and, you know, another point that I do want to bring up, um, and I think this is probably the point that, that Steve Clifford should maybe get the most criticism for, is his handling of Jonathan Isaac in, in the rotation. Tonight, uh, he was in foul trouble. Two early fouls, picked up a third shortly after checking back in at the start of the second quarter on a charge of all things. Um, he, he only ends up playing, I think, 16, 16.07 in the game. I know he didn't score, and I think some of that's just not being in rhythm, but it, it, our, I mean, we're obviously at a point in the season where you have to be a little bit desperate and maybe, tr you know, if, if something's not working, to try something that maybe you haven't tried before out of just desperation to get something going. But how vital has it is it to even have a chance in this series right now to have Jonathan Isaac on the floor and, and how much of an impact did that did those two fouls have on, on this game in, in entirety? You know, I, I think it had a pretty big impact because we've seen the job that Isaac can do on Pascal Siakam, which I don't think is has really come through enough because Siakam's had some pretty big games. But when you look at the numbers with Isaac on him versus everyone else. Isaac's done a good job on him, and that was the case a lot during the regular season too. So losing that, you know, it opens some things up because Siakam then can get a smaller guy like an Evan Fournier or Terrence Ross. I mean, he's feasting on those guys. Yep. Like, it's 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 game over. I believe in game three he was 4 of 10 from the field against Isaac and then 9 of 10 against everyone else. So that, that right there, he's feasting on them. And he didn't have his best game tonight, but – they didn't need it as much with Kawhi having a big game. Um, but also, you know, to your point of, of needing to try something, you know, maybe that's playing Jonathan Isaac or maybe that's going deeper into your bench. I mean, we saw it when Jarrell Martin came in, his first stint, his first, what, 30, 45 seconds, gets a block on one end on Kyle Lowry, gets an offensive rebound, then hits a corner three. You know, if you can get guys that can, can come in and give you that boost that you're not expecting – that's what you need, especially when your backs are against the wall. Yeah, and I mean, I think, I think, I think, I mean, this isn't. This is maybe an important point to discuss here, as the series, you know, seems like it's it's nearing its end. Um, how would you evaluate the job that that Steve Clifford has done? I mean, I, I think we can all agree he is not playing with the kind of loaded deck that that Nick Nurse is playing with. I mean, the Magic had to make up ground somewhere. They they've had to play extremely well just to have a chance in this series. Um, 
but it has, it has, could Steve Clifford have done anything else? Could, could he have managed this team a little bit different, differently in, in the playoffs? Or is this kind of the magic just have to go in with what they have and, and it's, just, it's just not enough? Or is it both? <laughs> I, I think in, in the case of, yes, Steve does not have the right deck. This is a, you know, a game of poker. He's not really having the best hand possible. But I don't think he's played his hand to the best of his ability. I think he's been outcoached the last two games by Nick Nurse. You look at game three where, you know, like you said, Zach, to your point, he's fourth, Siakam's four of ten being guarded by Isaac. Why was Isaac not in the game late down the stretch? Evan Fournier struggled from the floor, and I understand why he's in the game. He's your best shot creator. But if and that C- lineup, that lineup that they closed with has been their closing, closing lineup, lineup, and it's, their be- it's probably their best high-usage lineup of, of the whole season. So, I mean, st- the, the statistics back it up, but, you know, I think Siakam, the, point you're, the point you're making Siakam here, is killing them offensively. You know, yes, like I said, it's, it's statistically the best team we have offensively, but if a guy is killing you on one in the floor, you have to play him. Tonight, yes, Isaac got the, three, the two quick fouls in the first quarter, picked up the third one on the charge. But playing 16 minutes and he only finished with three fouls. Kawhi Leonard is basically taking, in, no offense to Aaron, Aaron did the best job he could on Kawhi. Kawhi is just Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. But at some point in time, don't you switch and put somebody, you put your best defender, your longest defender on Kawhi Leonard to make him at least work for this. Because really Kawhi did what he wanted when he was on the floor all game. Let Isaac foul out. Let him foul out. If he fouls out playing 25 minutes, and doesn't do anything, at least you got six fouls out of him. There should be no way Jonathan Isaac, as good as he's been defensively as a series, should have had three fouls. I, I can't remember how many minutes he played in the second half. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to, I mean, I can look it up real fast, but, uh, you know, I think, I, I agree with that. I think that he, that Steve Clifford's gone incredibly conservative with Isaac's minutes. Uh, and and I, I, I get, like, the late game situation. I don't agree with it. I think I was sitting up there in game three saying you got to get Isaac back in. I mean, the playoff, the regular season is about what you can do consistently every single night. Regular season basketball. That it's about what can I count on you to do every single night? What can I count on this night to the next? And, and believing in process over results. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, you send, the, send the lineups out there, they might get beat one game but they're going to win more in the long run because the numbers back you up. The playoffs are about matchups. And I, and I think the big lesson that the Magic, you know, organizationally, you know, Clifford knows this, I think, but Clifford knows this, but, you know, I think Charlotte fans would, would shout, you know, I hear Charlotte fans in the back shouting, you know, we, we told you about Steve Clifford in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I think that the playoffs are different because it's all about matchups. And, and I do agree with that, with that sentiment that, Clifford is it feels like sometimes Clifford is coaching these games like they're regular season games mm-hmm. instead of playoff games. Um, you know, I think we were we were talking about this earlier and I know Aaron was was probably exhausted and tired. To me, there was no reason Aaron Gordon should have come out of the game in that second half yep. if mm-hmm. the game was on the line. Um, I think it's very difficult to ask a player to play 48 minutes in a game. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and and Clifford has, you know, to 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 to, to his credit and and to to note this tweak as well. Clifford has tweaked his rotations to make sure, for the most part, Aaron Gordon is matching Kawhi Leonard's minutes. I think they've played maybe, yeah, I think Gordon's maybe played three or four minutes, if that, without Leonard on the floor. And I think Leonard, every time Leonard's been on the floor, except for maybe a minute or two, Gordon has been on the floor too. I think after game three, it was painfully obvious that every time Siakam's on the floor, Isaac needs to be on the floor. And, and, And I don't care if he had the foul trouble. If he had the foul trouble, 
throw Jarrell Martin out there to keep a body on him. The problem is Fournier and Ross are too small to guard Siakam. He's just going into the paint, backing him in, and, and shooting a hook shot. And with how much the Magic's defense is loading up against Kawhi Leonard, they're, they're, they're making sure every time Kawhi Leonard has a pick and roll, there are three guys staring directly at him to keep him out of the paint, force him into jumpers, or force him even just to pass the ball. Um, that one-on-one matchup with Siakam is everything. You lose that matchup, the series is over. And, and the Magic are losing the matchup with Leonard now, too, so the series is doubly over at that point. But you, you cannot give up so much to that secondary player um, the way the Magic have. You've got to make them work for it. And, and I, think, I think that is definitely a, a place where the Magic have struggled. And it's a deficiency in the roster for sure, but it's one that, that feels like it has an easy fix. And it's just about, you know, yes, Isaac doesn't give you much on offense, but you're not getting anywhere without your defense anyway because uh, you're not going to outscore Toronto. I think, I mean, at some point in time, I mean, if you're going to throw guards at Siakam, you're throwing Ross, you're throwing Fournier, you might as well throw Michael Carter-Williams on him. Yeah. At least at least Carter-Williams is a, be, is a better defender and is just about as long as he possibly can get to any of the, than the, the other two guys. You know, I think it was one stretch where he uh, Siakam got the ball baseline and literally just took Evan Fournier right to the hole after Isaac picked up the second mm-hmm. foul. And I'm, and I'm, look, I'm looking at where I was sitting, and I'm just thinking to myself, "Here we go again. We're going to get, we're going to get the switches. We're the the, the the switches the rest of the game. If Isaac's not on the floor, Siakam's going to take him off the dribble and just literally, like you said, jump hook, baby hook, and lay up and get back door to death the rest of the game." Or an, another adjustment you can make there is, I, I get you want to match Aaron Gordon with Kawhi Leonard, but you can move Gordon over to Siakam, and that's a more favorable matchup. Than throwing one of Fournier or Terrence Ross, and on I mean, him. and I think, and I, th- I think Evan Fournier can can guard Kawhi Leonard, maybe not as well as as Aaron has, but you know, Evan's shown in the past that he's willing to take on that that tough challenge, and he's done an okay job in some of those matchups. You know, try something like that to throw a different look at Siakam and throw a different look at, at Leonard as well. Yeah, and, and I think and I think to that point too. I mean, there there was a stretch in the game where I think Gordon and Awundu were on the floor at the same time, and I was thinking, you know, Awundu is a good good enough defender. I mean, you're throwing so many guys at Leonard anyway. I mean, you've got I've never seen Vooch hedge or blitz a screen and roll before. Mm-hmm. The last two games, he is hedging and blitzing screen and rolls to keep Kawhi Leonard. The Magic are breaking their typical pick-and-roll tendencies to try and stop Kawhi Leonard right now. You're throwing so many bodies at him, it's usually Vooch hedging a little bit more, setting a higher line, and then another wing player stepping a step in further to keep Leonard out of the paint uh, and, and try and bait him to pass it out to the perimeter and get the ball out of his hands um, just because they don't want him getting to the basket as much. Um, I think, I mean, if, if Wessowundu is going to be in those lineups, you can do a one-do on Leonard. I mean, I think there is there should be a little bit more flexibility on that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think we could talk about the defense and, and how Orlando's defending Toronto all we want. But but the real issue remains that this this Magic team cannot score. Um, they, they just they don't have the offensive weapons to get into the lane consistently uh, and break down what is a very good Toronto defense, a defense that has been extremely physical and has made Orlando extremely uncomfortable throughout the whole series. Um, that 9-0 spurt at the beginning of the game was probably the best the Magic have played on offense all series long. It was the cleanest they played, and it looked like things were easy. And it looked like, okay, maybe they've gotten the lid off, maybe they've gotten a little more comfortable and they know how to attack this, and then it just stopped. Uh, and and I, I don't know what to attribute to that that too. I mean, Clifford seemed to suggest it's 
sort of a, a battle of wills almost, and, and Orlando just got a little too comfortable with their shot making early on, uh, and and just fell into the trap of, of settling for shots rather than keeping the ball moving for the full forty eight. I mean, it's, it, what can we attribute that to? I think really it was about eleven seven. You guys said started nine zero seven zero nine zero. It was eleven seven when Isaac picked up that third foul. The second foul, excuse me. The second foul was eleven seven. Then Kawhi Leonard literally scored six consecutive points to give them the lead. It was they, six game of lead. It was a five point lead. Then the Magic never touched the lead the rest of the game. It was like they knew the second Isaac went out that game, the defensive matchup switched, and that just and Kawhi cut the light on and lights out. And I think the only thing that we could the Magic can really do in this series is number one, you have to protect the fouls of Gordon because Gordon had three in the first half. Isaac had three in the first half. They can't get in foul trouble. Um, even though, like I said, West is a, as a more than capable defender, but outside of a Wandu, there's nobody else on this roster that can guard any of those guys. And, and you're not going to throw a guy like Melvin Frazier Jr. out there who has some tools to potentially be a good defensive player. But he, I don't. When was the last time you saw the floor? March, <laughs> game two. He hasn't. He Melvin Frazier hasn't seen the floor in meaningful minutes this entire season. I right. Mean, throwing him out onto the floor right now it's would literally it. would literally be like throwing, right throwing your your two year old who has one swim lesson into the pool without floaties and saying swim, <laughs> or just say beat Michael Phelps. <laughs> it's literally. It's just. One of those moments where, like, what what can Clifford do? It's just hope that you that Kawhi has a bad game. I mean, and here's the crazy part: you said earlier they're, they're hedging three guys on Kawhi's drives. Can you imagine if the Raptors are actually who are swinging the ball around start knocking down? Start making shots? Three, they have shot the ball poorly this series. I mean, if they it, start, it could be could well, really bad. Danny Green missed what two or three ease once he normally hits in yeah. that corner. If the Raptors are knocking those threes down. At this, what is the left? series is over? It, 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 yes, it's the, the over. amount the amount of scrambling the Magic have had to do defensively, and and, and they've, I mean, again, I, I agree with Clifford on this front. Maybe not as much in in Game Four on tonight's game. The Magic's effort has been fine. They they are scrambling. They are trying their best to manage containing Kawhi Leonard and getting out to three-point shooters. They would rather have Danny Green beat them on three-pointers like he did in that regular season game a while back. They would rather let that happen than let Kawhi Leonard drop 40 on them like, like he did tonight. Um, that I think that's been plainly the strategy all series long. They, they, they banked that Isaac would be able to at least break even on his, on his matchup with Pascal Siakam. Uh, they'd be able to contain Kawhi Leonard, and then it would just be a matter of whether the Raptors can hit three-point shots consistently enough because they felt like they could scramble back out. And they've scrambled well, but that, that scramble has also taken them out of position for offensive rebound mm-hmm. for on the offensive glass. Toronto only got – it felt like they only got seven offensive rebounds tonight, but it felt like a whole lot more because they came in such big moments. Um, and, and then the other thing the Magic banked on was – we're going to remain a low turnover team. That hasn't happened in this series. Mm-hmm. We're going to be able to ex- well, we're going to be able to execute our offense and get Nikola Vucevic going against Marcus who he's played well against this season, but not historically. That hasn't happened, and just you know, Orla- the things that Orlando needed to happen, and they needed to make shots. Um, you know, I, I think I do agree with Clifford after Game Three. The big thing in Game Three was they missed a lot of open shots, and, and the Magic players have even admitted that. One of the reasons they're missing open shots is that they're just rushed. You know, they know that pressure is coming. They know that that next guy is coming. Toronto's defense has been incredible this series. They deserve a ton of credit. 
but Orlando's offense just was never up to par. And, and honestly, you know, I, I know there's a lot of fans that want to harp on the defense and focus on the defense because that's been an easy narrative for this Magic. And the defense has been good. I would, I would say it's been okay. It, it's maybe not up to the standard that the Magic set for themselves in the regular season quite as much, but the offense is the problem. I mean, the, the, if, if the playoffs expose your, your weaknesses in every way, all the weaknesses are on the offensive end right now. I, I, honestly, I, I don't worry about this team's defense. If the Magic could score at any type of consistent rate, they'd be in this series, I, I think. Um, but unfortunately, you know, Orlando's had to make, add some wrinkles defensively to try, to try and keep themselves in games because the offense just isn't carrying its weight. And I think that this is probably where having such a young, inexperienced playoff team is, is tough that – they're not used to making these kind of adjustments in such a short time. Like you're going to make adjustments throughout the regular season, but you have more time for them to, you know, be it's, put it's, into it's, place. It's, it's and not. It's not out. even that. It's it's making those adjustments with the pressure they're facing with the other it's, team. Right. Like knowing you. You're, I mean, I. I mean, I think there is something to it. You don't know a team as well as you know a team in the playoffs, and, and you know the Raptors. Figured out, you know, the Raptors kind of, I think, eased into game one. You know, I think mm. we can all agree they kind of eased into game one. They played game one like a regular season game. And guess what? The Magic played the Raptors really well in the regular season. Game two, the Raptors said, we're done with this. You know, we, we know what we have to do. We have to cut off the head of the snake. DJ Augustin's the only guy that can get in the paint. We're going to put some size on him and Danny Green. And they did that in the second half of game one. And the Magic's offense in the second half of game one was terrible. Outside of that last minute when they executed well enough to win the game, it was terrible. And it's been that way ever since. Um, and so Orlando, I mean, I mean, obviously you can't fix that problem now. You know, there's A, not enough time, and B, you can't go out and acquire players that can help you fix it. But I think that's priority number one is Orlando has to, has to become a better offensive team if they want to compete seriously um, moving forward or take that next step as a team and, and continue to grow heading into next season. And I think a lot of that's going to come from the steps, the the step that I think most of us expect Jonathan Isaac to take this summer, and how Aaron Gordon continues to get better. And a lot will also depend on what they end up doing with Nikola Vucevic, and then in turn Terrence Ross also. And then you have the wrinkle of Markel Fultz. Is he going to be the guy that you saw in at Washington, or is he going to be the guy who played? And you and I were talking about this the other night. You know, he played well in the first part of the season for the Sixers. He just didn't shoot the ball well. Yeah, you just have to put your hands over the field goal percentage part of his, his box score. But he can get into the paint. I mean, he can get in the paint and he can dish. I he, mean, he's and, had a triple-double already in his career. And I think that that's something that the Magic really miss, especially tonight and Friday night. Friday night they had Toronto in the penalty early in the third and the fourth quarter. They shot six free throws in the two quarters combined. Tonight they got the Raptors in, in the penalty with like 7 minutes and 37 seconds or something like that to go in the uh, third quarter, and they shot three free throws, all that came within like the last minute from Aaron Gordon. That's unacceptable. If you, Especially when your offense is struggling and you need to find a way to manufacture offense, get downhill. Get somebody who can get in the paint, draw some contact. That's what you got to do at some point to manufacture and keep your offense going. And, and to that point, too, I think one thing the Magic have done well throughout this series um, that, that was unexpected because they were one of the worst teams at this in, in the regular season. They didn't, they didn't mm -hmm. do a good job of this in game four, and I think that's one of the reasons why they lost by 20-plus points, get to the free throw line. 
Um, and, and they made free throws. Rel- I mean, game two, they didn't make free throws. If they make their free throws in the first half of game two, that's a very different ball, diff- different basketball game, um, you know, as far as momentum-wise. But um, it's, 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 been, it's definitely been a struggle, and there are big questions for the summer. But we'll leave those for July. I want to close today, though, um, by asking this question. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Um, what did you think of how Orlando fans showed up for these for, for games three and four here? Um, obviously, didn't go the way they wanted to. I think that there was weird... Not weird, but but momentum never really got behind the magic enough for the crowd to be a real factor. Maybe the end of game three more than any other. Um, but what was your what was your sense of the atmosphere that that blue and white ignite brought to the to this to the Amway Center this weekend? At the start of the game, I guess I've been here. What Phil? What Phil is like what five six years now? Too long. Exactly. I've never heard this place this loud when the game started. And then when the fourth quarter started, the place got loud again. And this is was – I even asked Aaron, Aaron at, in, uh, in the postgame press conference about the crowd. He said the crowd was great. You know, he just felt like he was – he felt disappointed that they could not give the fans what they wanted. He said the entire city's behind them. And it's something we have not seen in years. You know, the, the fans here want – they want to support this team. You know, you guys are in the forums. You guys are in the chat. You guys get DMs all day long. The fans want this team to win. It's just, it's been so long. And to be in this building tonight, it was so electric at the beginning. Then when it was 9-0, yeah. you can just you couldn't even that's, hear yourself. That's, that's the loudest I've heard this building for a Magic game. And so I think the crowd was amazing tonight. I just wish it would have sustained if the Magic could have sustained, even when Jerome Martin came in. Like, like that 45-second stretch where you had the offense rebound the block and the three-pointer, the crowd got loud again. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, Kawhi Leonard just took the energy out of this building, but this place was electric the whole night. It could have been better, but they just didn't play well tonight. Yeah, and I think even Friday night, you know, you had that same feeling that everyone was electrified early, and then as things kind of looked bad, they were a little more quiet, but then – once the Magic made the run, they were in it, and they and they picked the team up. And I felt like tonight they might not have done that as well. Um, you know, when the team might have been down, they, they needed a little bit of energy from the crowd, and they weren't getting it. Yeah, I um, think that's fair. But I don't think that's a slight on the crowds that have turned out in, in huge numbers. I mean, Friday night was the second most fans ever in attendance at a Magic game at Amway Center. Tonight and, and I'm going I'm to call BS on that because the one that's number one definitely was not the most attended game in Amway Center history. Is that the, 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 the most attended Magic game in Amway Center history 
was last year's season finale between the Magic and the Pistons. <laughs> that was those those. I'm sorry, Magic media people. Those books were cooked. There's I'm no sorry. Though, that, 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 it was no loud, way. that game. Fans were into it, and, and, and most fans on my timeline would say, why are they cheering? We need to lose this game, to which I would say, I mean, even I think I was at that point of saying, yeah, no, they don't need to win this game. They should probably lose this game, and, and God knows they tried. Um, and it was actually two years ago, sorry. Um, but, um, but it, yeah, but the, 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 the crowds this weekend were really, really good. I felt um, certainly, I, you know, maybe some more organic cheering would be great to, to lift the energy up, like 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 you said there, Zach. Um, but um, I, I think I, I don't think I felt the Magic fan base as excited for a single game or excited for this team since the 2010 Eastern Conference Finals run, and, and I do mean that. Um, I, I would agree. I, I think that you know people expected the Magic in 2011 to make the playoffs and were disappointed they didn't win that series against Atlanta. 2012 was the lockout year. Dwight was already kind of on his way out the door. People liked that team, the, the, the we-all-we-got team. But I think everyone knew that, that, that the team had a long way to go. This season was just such a surprise and such a welcome surprise. And, and, every, and, and I think Orlando has a little bit of a small city complex. They want to be known. They want people to know them. Uh, and, and just to be on the national stage again was exciting for a lot of people. And the Magic are relevant again. I mean, I think – I mean, you can even look online – you know, even though the Magic are getting handled by this Raptors team, you see a lot of people saying Gordon, Isaac, Fultz, and Bamba. You know, Fultz and Bamba turn into something. That could be a problem. Like, that could be a real problem in the Eastern Conference. So people are speaking positively about the Magic again, and I think a lot of people are still excited about that. I mean, I, I do think it hurts this team, just from a, even a business standpoint somewhat, that they lost these two games, that they didn't deliver on the big stage. I mean, I, I, would, t- I would have told you before the series – Started if the Magic are going to win one game in this series, win Game Three. Yep. For back home, mm-hmm. be loud and you know enjoy the moment. Just make that the celebration of this team. Game One ended up being the celebration of this team and the way the fans came out at Wall Street. And you know I think uh, there's a story in uh, I think Josh Robbins of the Athletic kind of kind of reported stuck snuck the nugget in there that the Magic were actually surprised by how many people showed up to that watch party in Game One. They they didn't realize kind of what they were sitting on. Um, you know, I hope and I hope that Magic fans, you know, kind of stay with this team uh, through the off season and, and and expect and not only that, expect this team to be a playoff team next year again, um, regardless of what happens in the off season. Um, I, I think Magic fans brought it as best they could. Um, you know, the team just the team just didn't give them enough to cheer for because this Raptors team is really, really, really good. Yeah, and you know, the the fans were great, and you know, we interact with so many of them on a daily basis. That, that we know how they feel and and seeing the people that have, have gone through the the losing seasons the last six seven years and everything show out like they have was was good for the city of Orlando and I think that despite the uh, the losses I think that that could end up being a building block as we go into next season too yeah for sure for sure um, obviously though we still have a game five series is not over magic could be back right here on thursday i i I would venture to guess none of us you know no offense to the magic we're kind of sitting here you know with a door looking in toward the locker room i'm sure everyone is gone by now except for steve clifford um who his doctor probably will be very upset he's not getting sleep right now um get some sleep steve we love you um but uh um i i don't i would venture to guess that all three of us 
don't think the Magic will win Game 5 on the road against this Toronto Raptors team that has handled them pretty easily the last last three games. Wait, I've been telling everyone I'm going to see them on Thursday. Well, well I'll, I'll see. I'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll see you on Thursday for, for something, I'm sure. Um, but uh, it's it's going to be a tall order in Toronto to win Game Five. Um, you know, I, 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 I certainly they can do it. Um, They're a resilient already, bunch. They've proven they can do it. I, I've kind of I was kind of telling everyone that during the game. I'm kind of done doubting this team. Every time I've kind of been ready to bury this team or, or be a little bit like I don't know if they can do it. They they proved me wrong. Um, I would still tell people that I thought Toronto was going to win this game. I, I think just Toronto has too much for Orlando, and, and they're they're so stretched. They're stretched so thin and have to be so good to win these games. But they've done it once, so maybe we'll be back here Thursday. Maybe we won't, um, but we'll we'll see uh, about that. Um, Danny, tell everyone where they can find you if they want to read more of your work and, and read your recap of tonight's game. Uh, catch me on AroundTheAssociation.com. My Twitter account is Danny, D-A-N-N-Y, the number three, Thompson. On Twitter, I guess they're also follow around the association on Facebook as well too. Yep, and Zach, where where can everyone find find your stuff? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zach Oliver NBA. All my stuff is on Orlando Pinstripe Post. Danny, I got to pimp you a little bit real quick. Uh, you have a new radio show starting soon, don't you? Yes, um, we're actually starting the show on June eighth. Um, there was some issues because June first is my is my birthday, so we're not doing the radio show on the day of my birthday. So, ninety eight point five in Orlando will be on the wire, um, a weekly sports show dedicated to a lot of things about Orlando. So I know Phil and Zach will definitely be on talking magic. I know Zach's going to talk golf, and we might even talk college football with Phil with Northwestern and hell yeah. <laughs> and that's, a, that's that's the Big Ten West champion, Northwestern Wildcats. That's why I threw that in there for you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. Follow the podcast on Twitter uh, at Locked On Magic as well. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast enable listening device as well as the Himalaya app too. That's going to do us do us from here in the bowels of the Amway Center. Actually, we're in the interview room, but um, I, I, bowels just sound better for some reason. They really don't. Now that I'm thinking about it, it that does not sound that does not sound pleasant. We are in the luxurious interview room at the Amway Center. For Zach Oliver, for Danny Thompson, I'm Philip Rossenreich. Thanks for listening to Locked On Magic. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.